0: Welcome to Tesserai. Steve, what are we talking about today? (laughs) (laughs) This is, well done. This is the conclusion of the whole matter. We're talking about rest again, part two. We know you've been waiting for it, so we hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation. Ha, rest. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we talked about, in season one, we talked about, uh, perceive like generational differences a little bit. I can't remember what episode it was. We talked a little bit about like what boomers, <laughs> what well, boomers like tend to do. Like my parents are boomers and like the way they see the world versus like millennials and all this. So um in, in no way like bashing, interested in bashing. I feel like generations tend to bash each other whether you retro bash <laughs> and bash the ones that come before or you just follow online. You have to bash the crazy kids today that are ruining the world, you know, either way. That's not what this is. But just kind of like, I get the feeling that rest is a bigger conversation, even not necessarily in a spiritual sense, but just like taking care of yourself. Um, We seem to be in kind of an age of self care and trying to understand how you're doing and protecting what you need, uh, fleeing from things that you consider or label as toxic or people that you consider toxic, those kinds of things. So I'm. I I, want to like spend a few minutes here because overall it's connected to the conversation, but it does seem a little bit distinct from how we're talking about rest because sometimes it, it, I don't know, there's levels of like persevering and pushing through that. I think like my parents' generation are incredible at um, and we don't, have that same experience persevering through some of those hard things. Cause we're like, I got to process this. I got to like take time. I got to stop. So I think they pay cause they just had to work through life and didn't person and didn't like explore processing. We don't have, as- we kind of rob ourselves of opportunities to persevere. Um, so that's just kind of a wave that I feel like is happening and an important one, but like every cultural wave or age wave, it's going to have drawbacks or shadow sides to it. So I'm just, I want to go there. Whoever wants to answer that. Um, Could kind of start, but I I want to talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, my my pitfall of social media is Instagram. And when I recently was putting a little Instagram story of my daughter up, um, I typed in self-care to see what came up. And the little stickers that came up and little gifs that came up were all girls getting their nails done and that resonated with my research actually a lot of the students that i interviewed described self care as a really just anemic understanding of what rest is a really shallow a really self-numbing understanding but one that's prevalent in culture today so i do think self care is something that a lot of students here are talking about and i know in the church uh, we we hear Caring ministries and what does it look like um, to care for one another? So, we hear the word care and we hear the word self care, but I would say um, there's some cultural realities there. I know I was raised by boomers, ger- culturally German boomers who love efficiency and timeliness, <laughs> and I kind of grew up with this ingrained knack for overachievement. So, self care for me. There, it was not a conversation. It wasn't something I learned how to do. But as I looked at culture, I saw, oh, you go get your nails done mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, you go on a trip or you spend money on yourself. All these things that I said, that doesn't actually apply to my interests, and it's Forces me to come to the hurdle of finances, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I feel about that? Mm-hmm. Um, in my in my research, though, I uh, one of the students that I interviewed talked about his cultural heritage. He's Korean. His dad's Korean, and as a pastor at a Korean American church, and he said that he was praised to burn the candle at both ends. That's what it meant to be a faithful leader. He saw his dad taking rest so rarely. He rarely did things he enjoyed. Every time he did something, it was related to the next sermon he was going to preach, the next conversation he needed to have with a person, the next board meeting he was going to have. And because he never saw and set any boundaries protecting protect these time, time with family or time alone, he had no concept of self-care. Through the student's time at Wheaton, he began to see the value of Sabbath rest as self-care, specifically drawing boundaries for himself. So to be this true and faithful leader didn't mean to burn the candle at both ends anymore. His definition shifted, where now he integrated Sabbath rest as healthcare, drawing boundaries, saying no, so that he could guard his sleep, so that he could exercise, something he loved to do as well, Steve, so he could guard time with friends that he really enjoyed. I think where, where I've landed as well is, what does it look like to enjoy yourself? And as, yeah, as a culturally German missionary kit, that's a hard question for me to answer. Enneagram 2, hard question.
2: Mm-hmm. What do
1: I like to do? And I think as Christians, so Sabbath rest, what do we like to do with the Lord? What do we like to do in community? And especially for, for those of us and listeners who are in ministry, are you even afloat right now? Are you drowning? Is your dashboard flashing all kinds of symbols? Self care can be an on ramp to understanding your dashboard. You know, maybe um, maybe it is going to the spa, and there's nothing wrong with that. I have some some great friends whose self care and whose Sabbath rest looks very different than mine. But I think um, generationally, wherever you're at, it's just a it's an, it's imperative to figure out what does it look like to care for yourself in a way that is more robust and just a shallow
2: self-numbing rest well it seems like as we're talking about caring for yourself there needs to be an understanding too of who we are of who we are and what our telos is Mm -hmm. like if my purpose for existence is to make it through then numbing agents are going to be the way to go yeah but if it's to be made into the image of Christ, if it's to be to fulfill this created design, cre- created and redeemed design um, to reflect the goodness of God in this world, uh, to take hold of who I've been made to be and my own gifts and my own skill set and uh, employ that in this world, then um, then caring for myself, you know, like caring for an instrument, right, uh, is, is going to be, in a sense tailored to how how do i keep myself spiritually healthy um and it it seems like that would keep because what you've described with self-care could easily veer into just um uh a a shallow you know me time or a shallow like um i I just i just want space for myself i don't have to think about other people whatever Uh, and that's not what we're talking about obviously but but I, i wonder if maybe conceptualizing what is it that I'm caring for? Who am I caring for here? Um, Can also help us to think about rest, not just even in terms of what I enjoy, but um, that is truly meaningful so that I leave uh, a bit healthier, leave that season of rest a bit healthier than when I came into it.
1: I think a large part of that question for me was seeing that I had value. It was so easy for me to see value in other people. And I didn't see that value in myself. I didn't see that I was worthy of resting too.
2: That's a heavy load to bear.
1: Yes. Continuing to spin the planet for all of us. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank you to all the twos who keep the world spinning. We appreciate you. No, just kidding. You're not. That's don't, God's don't do job. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, re- that, that's really interesting. I think um, something you enjoy I'm appreciating that more in this season because uh, I I mentioned this on our Enneagram episode, like I did not want to be a three. So when I when I first read the descriptions, it's like, (laughs) I'm not going to be a three. And uh, lo and behold. But um, I think that idea of achievement and pushing towards something and, and having sometimes some external value, you know, maybe what other people think or some level it has been a big part of my health over the last couple of years to do things that are for me like that are I don't have to um I'm not a big social media person but I have a Facebook but like if I do something I enjoy I'm like yeah I could share it but I do not have to share that like hey I am doing this thing and I had these results I'm like I'm just enjoying this right now you know like I'm just this thing I'm like pushing towards maybe i could talk to somebody maybe it'll come up organically but i don't feel like this same pressure i think that i used to have to be like i did this or even like uh it's massed and nobility sometimes again with ministry where like i need to use this as you were as you mentioned with that example with a student's father like this is um Sermon fodder, you know, like this is and I mean, in in a very respectful way, like I I think that like you're like, oh, illustrations or this is an example or this will encourage my friends or a congregation or whoever I'm ministering to. Um, But sometimes it's like it's nice to be like, I got rest and I pursue that just doing something that I enjoyed and had no other there were no other motives or uses for it in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good.
1: Isn't it so much more fun to rest, like almost in secret? Like, I'm not going to tell anyone. This was awesome. I just get to enjoy the Lord. I get to enjoy this day, this moment. And I don't yeah, I don't have to tell anyone. And it still has value. Coming from an extrovert.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Oh, man. Um, so tell us a little bit more. Tell me a little bit more about this. I consider, I think I would call it false dichotomy. Of rest versus perseverance. Um, You know, uh, I don't feel like you either persevere or you get rest, but I feel like that's kind of what we're told, you know. Um, And like you said, it's a long, long overdue conversation. One thing comes to mind, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts. I remember back in college, we had a Holocaust survivor come and visit our campus. It was amazing. She was this amazing lady, and she shared this incredible, incredibly, obviously, an incredibly sad story about being disconnected from her family and the experiences that she had. And then eventually, she made her way to the U.S. was able to find a job, uh, got married, um, had children. And it wasn't until, if I remember correctly, like kind of like the eighties, that there were she either met someone who had a connection or this, this basically this this tidal wave of grief like kind of came over her that had been delayed and a couple of things i remember striking me first just being like how devastating it is to not be not to to have gone through something so horrendous so horrible and to not have had an outlet Mm -hmm. like you're walking the you know walking the streets in the us and no one knows that you were like people could have opinions about the holocaust or understandings about it and you lived it you know um but so to not have an outlet not to be able to grieve process and then thinking, but in some ways, she lived. Like and I think maybe a concern sometimes is like we're gonna spend like so much time like in the depths that we might not, I don't know, we might not actually keep going forward, might not persevere as much because we're just so you know, like broken in the moment. So yeah, I'd love to have both. And I, I I'm determined to do both, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to just yeah, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your thoughts with that and how we can help reverse that and not be a part of that dichotomy.
1: It's a great, great illustration story there, Steve, that I think just reminds me that sometimes rest is just a distinct privilege and how we're talking about rest today is a huge privilege too, where there's different seasons of life, different systemic or cultural realities that make rest way harder. So yeah, I... Cannot imagine having that person here at the table with us and to hear her perspective would be really humbling. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I, I love to persevere. I love to persevere past when it is uh, smart, maybe. <laughs> uh, I have to say, one too many stress fractures in my life. And I think that shows that I actually didn't listen to the signs. I pushed past when I should have. And uh, some of my research that I was able to to do was on the word busy and how our American culture views the word busy. Uh, there was a study done in Psychology Today in 2008 that um, the the people taking the survey were able to to either rank themselves as not busy, b- busy, or very busy, and 69% responding to they're either busy or very busy. American culture has ingrained habits of slavery to productivity, competition, anxiety in the hearts of almost everyone. There's a busy bragging phenomenon, even among Christians. It's harder and harder to hear God when one has made an idol of work and an idol of self or self-reliance. That was me and is me sometimes. If you've made an idol of work and abandoned the practices of listening and resting there's a good chance you're not hearing god as fully as uh, he's speaking to you the practice of sabbath rest helps open the door to liberation from that slavery to production it allows us as god's children to find rest in a restless world without intentionally choosing rhythms of rest in life Ruth haley barton notes that illness becomes our sabbath our pneumonia our cancer our heart attack, our accidents, create Sabbath for us. Sabbath rest is God's invitation to step away from this crushing reality, recognizing that our busyness and workaholism will only destroy our inner lives and our walk with God if we do not become intentional about making time for renewal and rest. I think perseverance has great value. And I recognize that I'm I'm privileged to be able to choose moments of perseverance and moments of rest. Even as a young mom with with little ones at home, there's moments where I would maybe choose the other thing, right? But what is what is my heart in those moments? How have I planned my week? How have I planned my day with intentionality to have those liturgies of stepping into God's invitation, recognizing that he's talking to me, that he loves me, that I'm able to enjoy him alone and with my family and friends. So I, I hope listeners that you're able to, to see the great value of hearing God. And if self-reliance or if work is an idol in your life, to try this practice of resting regularly, to plan time to rest regularly so that your accidents don't become the Sabbath for you.
0: That's so good. I think it's not lost on me. Even as we talked about this, we we were talking about uh, rest as a privilege. We talked briefly about it as a privilege or a luxury too. Everybody doesn't have that, right? That example um, earlier, um, like you had to keep you had to keep going. So, is the point like that you lived happily ever after, or is the point that you lived? You know, like those kinds of pieces. So, I I I feel that I feel that that's really relevant in the conversations and the efforts regarding justice, um, particularly in the church now if you think back to the model for ministry and justice, you know, like it's, it's obviously it's Dr. King, right? It's, 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 it's this all types of ministers, all types of people, but who was the face of the movement? It was a minister. And we have that today as well. So whether it be marches, whether it be online activism and, and fighting for or to stay someone's execution um, to fight against a verdict, to push for a verdict, all of these things are, it's happening every day. You can't keep up with the amount of people um, that are that are unjustly murdered, that are unjustly treated. So even as you speak to it, um, uh, how does rest fit into that conversation? I think that's that's a big one for me because it's like that's a how am I going to rest right now when uh, when uh, when this latest tragedy just happened? You know, mm-hmm. forty minutes from from where I live, you know, or closer. Who knows? Um, and so I, I think it's something I I. I wrestle with I don't I don't know, and I want to have practical application for how we can pursue some of these restful practices while also like not being really like tone deaf to like a real real hard real hard struggle um, when we're doing these or involved in these things. And the main thing that I can think of at the moment is really like remembering whose work it is. You have to remember the order of operations, which probably again was a season one thing where. It is not me who has this innate passion, and hence I'm asking God to do something about it, and God was like oblivious to it. The fact that I'm inviting God into something is is all predicated on the fact that God cares more about this person who lost their life. God cares more about these instances of injustice, these systemic injustices. Um, And so I think remembering that, I don't know how practically helpful that is, but that is, I think, as a mindset, that is really important if you're like, I I need to be able to rest from this, but I don't feel like it's justified. How can I rest when this is going on? Remembering that it's God's work first and that there are others doing something. It has has to be a key because otherwise how much you're giving, you know? Um, And if you think you're the, like the star player, um, the star, the only voice who can speak to something, then there's probably more to have to explore with, right? The fact that no one else could be fighting this fight with you or alongside you even in the biggest games, you know, like even, even Jordan, even LeBron, like even they took uh, minutes on the bench, you know, to catch their breath, to actually set them up for the end of the game, you know? So I don't know. That's just big, but it, it feels like hard to talk about some of these ideas about rest. Sometimes when things seem so there's the tyranny of the urgent, right? Mm-hmm. Things are, it's key. We have to, we have to say something, have to do something, have to say something, have to do something. Um, but still pursuing rest while, still pursuing justice seems big.
1: Yeah, one of the books that influenced some of my practical theology of Sabbath was Walter Brueggemann's Sabbath as Resistance. And I wonder how that could apply to the conversation and reality of race in America. And um, like you have mentioned, Steve, just it it feels wrong when there's such suffering and injustice to step away and rest. But what importance there is to be able to not only follow God's commandment but resist just the the cultural pressures and turn off your phone turn off the computer step away from the newspaper for for even an hour and you will notice that you have aligned yourself more rightly with what is true and good so I yeah I recognize that that's a great privilege but I do think it has great importance as well too to resist not uh, just the tyranny of the urgent and align ourselves with the Lord in in quiet or in moments of enjoyment. Um, I think there's also great value in beauty, and I think we can see just examples throughout history and of how beauty can actually reset us and reset our hearts to what is true and right as well. So I know that's, that's an area where I wonder if you can even channel some of the pain or anger or yeah, just other emotions and thoughts into art or beauty or poetry in a restful way. So you're not just feeling that tension in your body or engaging over the internet, but actually like doing something with your hands and with your um, heart and creativity as well.
2: Almost like being reminded of, or making yourself remember the good that does exist
1: yeah and i never want to draw a silver lining around a very very hard and ugly reality mm-hmm. but i do think there's been great healing in my life when i can take things a step farther and instead of just holding these weights um ask the lord to help me turn them into something that can be used yeah in a beautiful way
0: yeah it really is also just like reflects your own humanity too right you know you're like you i don't know like a fireman analogy uh you you still need while you're in there trying to save people you need like your own oxygen you, you, you need that as like that's part of the deal so not saying that this is like the main reason that you rest and i also don't want to in light of what we were saying earlier don't want to just like paint us as these heroes but i'm just saying like people who are passionate about justice i think I have to remember that too if you don't feel like you can turn off you're like hey Who's supposed to put their mask on first when a plane's going down? Like, you're supposed to put your own on first, you know, before you help everybody else. So um, I think that's important. And if you really do, you know, need to be reset with, like, the beauty of it all, to have your perspective shifted, to get rejuvenated, um, know that that, like, has implications for you and the work that you're trying to do
1: if we're creating these regular patterns of rest, if we're planning ahead for rest, I would say fight to maintain those patterns even through the hardest seasons and yeah. even more in those really hard seasons and harsh realities. So that right. yeah, we're not, we, we hear the term or the metaphor, like you're not serving or trying to like get water from an empty well, right? Yeah. So yeah. rest can be one of those ways that we're making sure there's there's water to give to others. <laughs>
0: yeah
2: absolutely i think it's helpful to have categories of distinction between crisis and justice work like Mm -hmm. there are times where crises are going to require us to act regardless of whether we we have these rhythms set up um and you know I, i find it instructive to look at jesus i mean here's jesus who um Is the servant of Isaiah 42 who will proclaim justice to the nations and who will not put out a smoldering wick until he has led justice to victory? So, Jesus was concerned with justice work, not in the way that we often think about, but he certainly was. And if you look at Jesus's life and ministry, (laughs) he worked himself to the bone I mean sometimes you, th- you think you read these descriptions about how he was teaching all day and then people showed up all night you know at his house there's a crowd of people and he healed all of them um, and but he never burned himself out because he always withdrew to find solitude and to spend time with his father um, this is a point that Mark sayers makes in his book uh, facing Leviathan which is is helpful in that front but like Jesus always rested in the midst of an un ending load like there was never he was never done with his compassion work his justice work i mean yes it is finished on the cross but like the poor you will always have with you i mean you know it's not like he eradicated all suffering in the world um and so i think even using that as uh, a frame that there were times where Jesus said, okay, I'm going to enter into this even though I'm tired because he saw he had compassion on the crowds, but there are other times where he, where the crowds were like, stay around, do more. There's more work to do. And he was like, I got to go. Um, and so le- learning to be able to judge, engage between crises and like the work will continue. <laughs> It'll be there tomorrow. But like you said, if I don't have that oxygen on I'm toast and not going to be good to anybody then. So let's um, pivot a bit here and get practical because we've we've talked about our experience we've talked about um, what rest is and why it's important um, and, and maybe some of our more concrete thinkers who are listening to this are like, okay great um, but my life's crazy right I'm busy uh, I'm a parent or I'm uh, I've got a demanding career or I'm just a college student and I have no time. So what are some real practical steps that uh, our listeners can take to grow in uh, cultivating Sabbath rest in their own life?
1: Absolutely. I love getting down to the nitty gritty. So if you're like me, you've got your pen and paper, you're ready to learn. All right. <laughs> so some tools that I was able to identify through my research is to make sure that you are looking at your life and seeing who is modeling rest well. And if you aren't able to find anyone, you can look towards literature, look towards um, examples in the Bible even, right? But looking for a mentor in this area. I know in ministry, a lot of us fall into trying to work so hard that this you maybe aren't a good example either. So if you are in ministry, maybe this can be just a, a nudge to, to work on resting in a really enjoyable way. Another tool is to focus on growing in your own self-awareness to understand how God has wired you to enjoy Sabbath rest. This is a call to identity formation. How do we obey God's command for rest? That looks different for everyone. Another tool is mindfulness. How can you invite God into everyday activities and find Sabbath rest in him through the liturgy of making breakfast, through the liturgy of your commute to work? What does it look like to be mindful of enjoying God and enjoying his easy yoke in the day-to-day activities? Another tool is preparing for Sabbath. I can't stress this one enough. Self-awareness and attentiveness to the Holy Spirit gives you the wisdom and discern it, discernment to notice the indicators in your life that you need rest. If you haven't prepared time to be away from work, you might not notice God's voice. You might not be able to be attentive in the way that will give you that freedom from the grind. So I'd encourage you to plan ahead and um, just ensure that you'll have an opportunity to rest with the Lord. For the people pleasers out there, that means saying no. You'll need to say no a few times um, and back down from maybe a very busy schedule to to prepare for some Sabbath moments or a, a whole day. I know personally, I try to practice Sabbath on Saturday. That's when my team knows I'm away from my phone. I'm away from my email, but I'm still a mom, right? So what does it look like to Sabbath? Well, in those moments, it looks like focusing on how the Lord has wired me, being mindful in those everyday liturgical moments, being prepared so I can have some moments of deep work, deep reflection, um, but also just enjoy time together with family and friends.
0: Yes. That's so good to prepare for. When you go to work, we we prepare for work, you know, I mean, ideally, hopefully, like, you know, I know the past year we've been working from home, but uh, most of the time you have to, you know, in the winters, you know, you need to clean off your car, you need to get ready for it, you need to plan ahead, you, sh- you know, you probably should be ironing your clothes, getting them ready for the next day you're going to eat breakfast, you might have to drop the kids off at school, all these different things that you need to prepare in order to go to work well, prepare them, prepare your day. And I think instead, there's this passivity and like falling into Sabbath, um, falling into rest instead, sometimes that, that, you know, that doesn't counter well, the the effort that we put into work it makes sense in the most powerful capitalist society in the history of humanity. But I, I think that that's really key. If you're like, if your highest value is like making money, then of course, you're going to put all your preparation and you're going to put, the a huge part of your life like at least a quarter i mean or at least a third of your life into work working eight hours right But i think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about value like we assign
2: value to that and we don't assign value to rest. which comes back to the original problematic that you sought to address and that we addressed at the beginning here um when we ascribe value to rest we will invest in rest right it'll uh we'll, we'll make the space for it we'll prepare for it Uh, Even if it costs us something, whether that's our people pleasing, or whether that's our own ambition, um, or whether it's the scary quiet of our own mind—you know, having to deal with—you know, actually interacting with Um, ourselves—it's worth it. Or we we make it worth it.
0: So true. Or if you're in college, I think like a big fear is FOMO. Um, You know, it's just like man. I remember just being invited to like do something stupid or go play basketball from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. and (laughs) we'd see our like our four main friends myself shout out to nate darnell and jasper and be like yo are we doing this we might see each other at, like lunch that day and be like yo are we are we, are we doing we doing this <laughs> and then the rest of us had to recruit and get people so we could do five on five and the next day you got class the next day you got all these things and of course you're in a physical position where you can do it more than ever right you're living in a dorm room maybe you don't need as much sleep but that is not a sustainable way to live life and, uh, but to actually sometimes be able to say no, knowing that like, ah, that does sound fun, but I committed to this. I need to do that. For yeah, sure. That's good. For sure.
1: And I think that just reminds me that there needs to be grace in this process. I know I wanted to even overachieve in resting. So I felt
2: <laughs> 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 You got the gold star for right? resting. Well done. I,
1: felt, I would feel guilty if I had asked for this time away and then I spent it on my phone. I would feel responsible if I was in my house and I could hear my kids and it sounded like things weren't going well I could feel self-numbing just as falling into scrolling on my phone or crashing and and just not doing anything for those moments of rest just realizing you are going to fail at rest and that's okay but I think it's really really worth scheduling that regular time in to set apart from work from some of your regular responsibilities so you can enjoy the Lord and enjoy just the gift of being his son or daughter.
0: Okay. So challenges. We we kinda covered we kinda covered uh, some practical tools that we can have. Challenges. I feel like we gotta hit that because like you're saying, that that's gonna happen. We're not gonna get it all right all the time.
1: Yeah, I know. Space is tricky. Where are you resting? Make sure you're paying attention to that. If it's by your phone, by your computer, by your T V maybe not the place to do it. Responsibilities. I know uh, the work that I, Steve and I are in right now, it's tricky to rest in our home. So sometimes you do need to just be aware of, hey, have I delegated responsibility? Have I asked for help? Another shout out to any of have I asked for help so that I can rest well? Mm -hmm. And then also just rightly aligning ourselves to just the journey that rest is. Um, It's easy to fall into guilt if, you want to be available, if you want to say yes, if you want to do it right, realizing that God's grace is more than that guilt, and we get to, we get to rest, we don't have to do it a certain way, we get to do it, and seasons of life will change where rest looks different for you, but I definitely think it can be a challenge to figure out what does it look like to do this well? It will take time to figure it out, but it's, it's worth the journey.
0: And with some of those tools in mind, we hope that the process of rest, the practice of it, um, is something that you can begin to explore in your own lives. As we get ready to close, we want to point you back to the story that opened up um, these episodes on rest. And so to kind of help us go back to that route.
1: Yes, I can be a bit of a history nerd, and as I was doing some reading for one of my church history classes in grad school, I came across the saints of the desert fathers and mothers, and Anthony the Great is the one who shared this story about a hunter approaching um, him and his fellow brothers in the desert, shocked because they weren't doing ministry. They were just relaxing together and resting and enjoying one another. And he asked him to just continue to shoot his bow over and over again. And the hunter said, if I bend my bow so much, I will break it. That's where Abba Anthony said, it's the same with the work of God. If we stretch the brethren beyond measure, they will break. Sometimes it is necessary to come down to meet their needs. As I worked on this thesis, as I thought about rest, I realized I oftentimes bend my bow so much that I break it. And I have many, many stories in my life of utter self-reliance that have broken my bow. My hope is that this story can show you another metaphor, another analogy of how important it is to not judge one another on how they're doing rest, what it looks like, what their vocation is, where they're at in their season of life, but to put your bow down, to enjoy resting with one another and to enjoy the Lord in it all. It's of great importance and I, I just give you this invitation from my heart that you would join me in
0: resting well as usual you can find us on uh, twitter and facebook at Tesserai podcast we hope that you join this conversation let us know your thoughts on either platform Um, and until next time this has been Tesserai.